0: Today, I'm in conversation with Gopalaswamy Ramesh, also known as G. Ramesh, an industry veteran and also my senior at IISC. In this episode, Ramesh shares his experience and perspectives related to his interest in software and programming that is fueled by an IIT professor who taught him programming, how his experience with facing customers helped in an assignment of setting up a QA environment at the Oracle headquarters, and how that later was a turning point in his career. The trigger for his getting into writing and authoring books, some of which are standard curriculum recommendations in about 50 universities across the world. How, as a technical person, you may have all the answers, but as a leader, you should have all the questions and a lot more. Please bear with some audio distractions in the background in patches. you love this story. Listen now. Hi, Ramesh, welcome to the Software People Stories podcast. I still remember our first meeting when I came to meet you before joining IASC to take guidance from you in terms of how the institute will be. And this is the first time that I was also coming out of home, so to say. And since then, I've always looked at you for a lot of ideas and many things that you've done, which probably people don't know, but then even small things have definitely been quite inspiring. So, for the benefit of our listeners, why don't we start with uh, how you got into IT and brief on your career trajectory?
1: First of all, thanks, Nice to see you. Nice to be, uh, meet up with you, even though it's a video only, not in person. Nice to meet up with you. I know we are. I still remember when you came to my home and uh, Radha Krishna before we joined IAC, and then, then you came to IAC and we were together. And of course, before that in Vivekananda College we didn't know each other, but uh, we came uh, up in IAC, and it was a after that, of course, TBL and everything else, we are kept in touch, and uh, the to TV, and we have kept in touch over the years. But I, I won't say I, as much as I wish, but as good as it can get, given that we all travel, keep traveling all the time. So, and, and again, thanks for inviting me to this program. It's my pleasure to be here, and I'll be happy to share with uh, you and the audience what, whatever experience, whatever uh, views I have, and we'll be open to any comments and suggestions, and so on. So, so just to see how, how I got it to IT, um, it it's, it's actually, it, when I, I, you know, I was in an IASC and I graduated out in 78 and the, that time software was not very well known. Okay. I did ECE and um, I somehow was in very interested in software right from the BSc days because mathematics days where we learned programming and automated theory from a professor from IIT Madras who came to college in the evenings and thought somehow it was almost a glow at first sight. Uh, even though computers were not well known at the time, you know, software I, I was the only uh, weird guy who did software project in B and everybody looked, looked at me like I was a kind of a, a strange, weird guy from another planet, or something like that. And uh, at the end of the course, uh, I got an offer in the software job in Tadobaos, and. Uh, when I took that video, saying, you were know, saying, you know, ECE, the dream jobs are either Bharat Electronics, or uh, IT. I hope you don't mind my saying the name. But that is the situation in 1978. And almost like uh, a day, people asked me, what, I said, what can I do? I, I somehow like software, I enjoy software, and uh, therefore I went into software. So it was not for uh, uh, not for great amount of money. And that, that, those days, the salary for uh, software engineers was not nowhere near the... Enormous amounts you get now, so but still the the passion for software is there, and uh, that's why I moved into software. So it's not it's not the no, nowadays you find almost everybody and the grandfather going into software, right? They do be civil engineering and then go to software. That kind of thing was not there for me. I, I went into software because I know software, especially system software and that kind of thing. So I so that's how I got into software, I and mean, then a couple of years, I spent in Totoboros uh, and uh, we were the first batch there. Incidentally, in almost my entire career, most of the time, I'll be the first batch of something. No? So, and uh, you know, guinea pig who goes in and not not knowing what, what's in store, we just go and then explore and uh, no, st- stretch our imagination, st- stretch our luck and try something. So, I was the first batch there and it, it continued, it kind of first batch syndrome continued. So in most of the play, other places where, where most of the other projects, uh, endeavors I tried on, I was the first guy to come in and you know, it, it, it just a question of you know, trying out something. There. And You can call it adventurism, you can call it full ordiness, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Uh, it's just the uh, enjoyment of uh, trying something new and going into uncharted territories was something that always fascinated me. So, uh, so there it started. I spent a couple of years in PBL and then I wanted to complete my master's. So I came back to IIT Madras. And I did my project in IIT Madras, I did a master's in my research, not the coursework because most of the coursework had completed in B. That's a great thing about IIC is that you can do uh, ME courses at B level. So most of the courses had completed. So I didn't find any joy in you know sitting through classes and writing exams for uh, things that I already know and have uh, practiced for, and especially the industry experience helped a lot. You know The, the training we got in, uh, when I joined Tata is a wonderful training and that has stood a lot of uh, has stood me in lot of stead uh, over the years because for example they teach you about how to document your code and how to write proper code and how to work in teams. You know, our BE projects are all solo projects. You know, we do we just don't work with anybody else. And this is all this is a wonderful experience. So so I did not feel like doing the coursework again. I mean, we had to do some minimal coursework for MS, but I took on research and I though I I took on a project on program generators, some again. This is a system software project, which is right generating project, generating program for the application world. So it was a, at that time it was not very well known. Today we we talk of a lot of uh, automatic programming and all that. This is that was something radically new those days. My my guide professor here, Muthukrishnan from IIT Madras really helped a lot, and uh, the project was a great success because uh, we presented in this Computer State of India uh, annual student convention and that won the national gold medal. So. Uh, that got a lot of encouragement to me, a lot of uh, Philip to my mom morale and uh, no, I continued with the with the, with the idea of uh, trying new all the time and that's the time when HCL came up and they said they're going to start a, a division in Singapore and they were moving from uh, mini computers and microcomputers to mainframe databases. Okay, um, That time our Oracle was... Uh, the, 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 the far East Computers is the name of the company which HCL set up in Singapore and they were distributors for Oracle at the time, Oracle database. In fact, Oracle as a product existed but Oracle as a company was called relational software incorporated. They were much smaller, they were much smaller at the time. Uh, so we took up, HCL took up the distributor and the distributorship of Oracle and my job was uh, to be the pre-sales and post-sales guy doing, going and installing, going and going with the salespeople, selling Oracle in the entire ASEAN region. And then once you once sell it, then the, the tough job, job of uh, you know, supporting the product comes in. So we, can, we cannot, as a sales, pre-sales support guy, we have, to be, we have to tread very carefully, but we don't want to promise the moon. At the same time, we have to be uh, optimistic of the product. So it was a very nice experience. So I traveled over entire uh, ASEAN, Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, China. We launched I went and did the first installation of Oracle in China back in I don't know 84 85 something like that okay so maybe 86 so uh, it's a lot of good and in fact at that time my team in I I, were, I was the first guy in the team and then there were a couple of others senior to me in terms of management and uh, uh, I was given a free hand in terms of uh, technology and implementation and so on so we got the we got the Oracle uh, installed in many locations in Indonesia Thailand and China and so on and um, at that time i had an offer to uh, to take a one year uh, you know, the oracle had just called me for a year where i could back go to go and spend a year in in oracle headquarters as an FEC employee but you know, doing some contract work in terms of qa and so on so i i moved to the, i i moved to the us for a year in uh, is 78 my job there was to set up the QA environment for the main because but a lot of the customers whom we sold on in Singapore area were main customers. And Oracle was at that time primarily more on more very popular on Vax and just coming up on main trade. Okay, So uh, so I of course used Oracle on Vax, but the customers were primarily main customers in, the, in that area, two or three customers. So uh, so my job was to set up the QA environment for uh, Oracle products on the uh, main trip. That's that's a very interesting exercise. because. I came from a customer background because I, I had installed products. I worked with customers. I knew their problems. I knew their pain points. I knew what was working, what was not working, what could be done better, and so on and so forth. So, uh, so I put that into Put that knowledge into effect at Oracle uh, headquarters in Redwood. In at that time, they were in Belmont, California, and uh, that was quite uh, that was quite an interesting exercise for uh, a year. And then I came back to uh, Singapore because I had. I wanted to complete my commitments in Singapore before, uh, before anything else. We also had some some more major customers for Oracle coming. So I, another year I worked in Singapore. At uh, that time, Oracle HQ called me to come move permanently to the, to their uh, development center in uh, in California. So I moved back. I moved back a year later, and uh, next six years I spent with uh, Oracle headquarters in uh, uh, with Oracle in the headquarters in California. Okay. So very 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 fruitful time. In fact, if you I, I cherish a lot of fond memories of my stay in um, California at that time, not only because of the weather and nice place and all that, but uh, it, was also, it was also a place where I learned a lot of new professionals. I met a lot of wonderful professionals. You know, things like how to work with professionals, how to, uh, how to write code, which is production is going to be used by hundreds and thousands of customers. And it was a wonderful experience. On that time, during the time, I also decided to upgrade my skills. So I enrolled for a master's degree in, uh, in Stanford University. So after a couple of years, I had a choice whether I want to go on the technical line or the management line. Um, again, at the time, I, I was fairly well-versed with, with the database and the internals and all that. So I did not want to go deeper into uh, I mean, I, I did not find extra value by doing technical, more technical courses. So I moved to a management course, which is called Engineering Management. Uh, It's basically Stanford's degree for uh, management in the high-tech space. So roughly one third of the course is on your area of specialization. In my case, computer science and software. And uh, the remaining two thirds is in the management concepts of organization, behavior, marketing, blah blah blah, blah, all the usual marketing, communication, and all that. So, uh, so I finished the degree also. So around the time I was completing the degree, there was a talk in Oracle about opening a development center in India. And again, my adventurism in me took the better of me. So I was happily settled in the U.S. Uh, very well placed in the in IBM mainframe job. And uh, I had a, it's a reasonably small group. It's not, you know, development groups are not hundreds and thousands of people. It's uh, probably about 20 people in my group. So, But that grew from zero. I was the first guy in the QA group there and then moved it and grew it and then grew the other parts also and then set up processes and all that. So I could have stayed back in California for the rest of my life and uh, you know, enjoyed uh, the life there and and they enjoyed the professional atmosphere also there uh, when they said they're going to start um, a development center in bangalore they asked for volunteers everybody else was wise they, they they did not volunteer they did not want to stick their neck out i was otherwise so i decided to stick my neck out and say i'll try it out for a year so i i came here in 94 primarily to do technology transfer for a particular oracle product here a project here that was my charter is to stay for one year and go back to uh, US and continue my happy life there. So I came here and then during that year, uh, we started in a small hotel room. Okay, That's all we had. A small hotel room, half my bedroom size. And then it became five rooms like that. We had 15 people uh, working in that small, in that five rooms. And this is pre-internet days. So our uh, network operations people will wire out all the Ethernet connections or uh, sunspark stations and all that and uh, we had only the telephone line from the uh, uh, from the hotel. We didn't have mobile phones, obviously, we didn't have internet. So if we had to transfer uh, transfer software from Bangalore to uh, Redwood Shows, then we had to use the QAC tapes, water inch Scottish tapes. So we did the projects there and we, remarkably, we delivered on the first year, we delivered quite a few projects at Diamond Reddust. And uh, it was become interesting. And also uh, my job expanded. I, that I expanded my job. Nobody asked me that. The great thing about a company like Oracle is, you know, they give you freedom to stretch yourself, to do what you want. And then, of course, you have to deliver the results. But uh, nobody places curbs on you to so do this way, do that way, kind of thing. So, I, I and nobody says you should do this. This is your job. That is not your job, and that kind of thing. So, the nice thing was that when I came here, uh, not many people understood um, Oracle as a company. Everybody knew relational database and that's about it. Nobody knew that there is a company behind the relational database. And you know, the, if company A and company B produce relational databases, the companies are not the same, right? There are market forces, there are uh, organization cultures, there are like, this history, blah blah blah. And uh, in, India was well, was probably aware of the technical aspects of databases, technical aspects of what a relational database is, and stuff like that. But the, the really the awareness of you know, if two companies A and B produce their relational databases, the perception was there's no difference between the two companies, which is really not the case, isn't it? You know they, a lot depends on the company, a lot depends on the history, a lot depends on the organization culture and all that right so so my job and we, we had to go and recruit quality people. We are not recruiting in hundreds. we are recruiting in maybe dozen people, something like that you know? but ours was a high-end kind of software work. So I, I could not afford to go and hire the bottom rankers right? and, and I, I don't have anything. I don't, I'm i not a believer in ranks, but uh, you know I, I have to have computer science people and I have to have qualified computer science people who are good in fundas It's not like just coding, right fundas about data structures and stuff like that. Uh, unfortunately, when I go to a campus, we, they will ask you how many people you're going to hire and I say I'll hire five or six or something like that. They will look at us as aliens. The campus people look at us as aliens. Why should I suffer? Whereas the companies come and hire dozens and hundreds of people, where which I can get done easily. Why should I? So it was a hell of a, it was a hell of a fight. It was a hell of a fight to get the top talent. So most of my work, most of my time in the next three four years was in establishing processes for hiring, establishing contacts for hiring, not just colleges but also. Uh, Good places to. Have. For example, if you are looking for a particular skill set, uh, now we did some research and find out where which where do you go to get that skill set. Do You want forms, where do you go for skill set? You want database, which company do you go for? So that so that kind of work happened, and a uh, lot of time went in interviews. Lot of time went in interviews and building the uh, score team. In fact, out of the first maybe about three hundred people, four hundred people, almost everybody I personally interviewed and. Uh, Know, selected them. Last year, we had a get-together of the alumni, market, mostly the startup team. When they say startup, it's probably until about 200, 300 and uh, most of them and, and me remembered how we, our interviews were. So, it was a very delightful experience because, I, because the, the, that was the core team. I think the core team is good, everything else is good, right? So, we put a lot of focus in it and uh, one of the things that happened was because of this fact that we were not hiring in you know, 50s and 100s which is what lot of other companies did we will not always get the it was tough to get a good slot for interview and you know what I mean right if you if you go on second day everybody is gone everybody is gone because they will go to the companies which uh, which hire uh, in dozens right and they also had the dream job concept uh, where a lot of a lot of institutions had dream job concept where I can take the quote-unquote safe job first and uh, then wait for my dream job and take the dream job and and then uh, reject the Safe job, right? The problem was nobody knew that no, there was not enough knowledge floating around to choose the dream jobs. A lot of time, the dream job was you know based on hearsay, which is more, more often than not. Uh, what shall I say? Not not factual. Okay. So the, my so I I figured out that I you know if, if I have to continue to hire the best of talent, I have to do something innovative. I cannot be simply uh, going by the stream of things and say. Get, get in, get on, get an interview slot and um, 15th day after the interview starts, and then don't find my top guys there. So that is how we started teaching. You know, it is a, not an accident, but it was a planned move. Um, but I never expected I'd go to be a teacher for the rest of my life. But uh, I started teaching in. Uh, so, what happened to about four or five of us who are also passionate about teaching? And right? the, the whole important point is unless you're passionate about something, don't do it. You know? So, uh, that's like going to software, right? And I could have stayed with BEL or something. but if that is not passionate for me, I won't do it. Right? So, so the, the three or four of us who are very passionate about teaching. So what we did was we said, okay, uh, each of us took up on one college or university as our pet college, where we can go, where we can go and uh, talk to students and things like that, and you know, we'll spend extra hours after after work and uh, start teaching the students there. Okay. So that is how I started teaching. I started teaching in Anna University. Anna university I taught database courses and uh, operating systems and a bunch of courses like that. So what this gave me was and in fact they gave it's a win-win-win for everybody. It's a win for this uh, for the university because you know, to teach these courses you need qualified faculty who are ready to teach and it's tough to find qualified faculty and the, the staff of the university were already fully loaded with other courses and so on. So they were more than happy to get somebody from, from industry, somebody qualified from industry come and speak, and with no commit, no cost, or no coming, nothing for them. No, so it is more or less a freebie for them. From my point of view, from the company's point of view, the, the benefit was see the students from close quarters for six months, not not a twenty minute interview, not a twenty minute interview that they get in the fifteenth day of the interview start of the uh, season starting, but through the semester, through the semester before they are going in for campus interviews. I got an opportunity to interact with them in very close quarters for six months or for four months or whatever the semester duration was. And that is a big plus because uh, I could study them from close quarters. You know, there's only so much you can have, even though we, we say we are good interview people, there are only so much you can do in a 20 minute interview. But seeing them for six months, you can't, uh, they can't con us. Right? They, we get extra data points to validate us. And from the student's point of view, then, of course, there are some who are very good in college, but when they come to industry, they fail miserably because uh, no, because they can't work in teams, or they can't work in deadlines, or they can't—they don't understand the uh, non-academic nature of work at industry. Blah 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 blah. Right. So what I did was after studying them for they studied my course, I studied them. Okay. So after studying them for about six months, the last semester project, I got cream of them into the company. Okay. To work as summer interns. Again, it's a win-win-win for everybody because from the from, from university's point of view, they were able to get four or five of their 30 people uh, readily uh, packed off for the summer placement. Otherwise, they'll, they'll have to do a lot of campaigns. So, that kind of thing was not there. So, I took four or five every year. This happened for four or five years. It's good for the, for the company because we could see whether the, the guys who are filtered on the basis of academic performance, can they survive in the... Uh, Tough industry environment, and from this point of view, the guys, it's or guys, gals. It's very good because they get free industry exposure. And they also get a pocket money of I don't know some small, small stipend which is which doesn't cost us much as a company. But for them, it's a big money to start with, right? And and, and their resume will look much better. The resume will look much better saying that they worked at Oracle, right? So for six months or whatever. So they, typically those days, the last semester was uh, was the industry project. You know, ME was three semesters of uh, coursework and uh, one semester of uh, uh, project. So they spent six months. So there's enough time for uh, for us to gauge them, enough time for me to gauge them the academic side and enough time for the team leads and uh, the other directors to gauge them at work. So we, by the time we got them, by the time we decided out of six people, say I get two or, two or three can be hired, I know that these three are good. I know that these three are good and not only I know, but my direct reports and my second level direct reports will also know they are good. So there's a sense of confidence and uh, and uh, no, when they walk into the job, they are ready for the job. So it worked well for everybody, it worked well for everybody and uh, that was great. That was really great. And it was, uh, I, mean, I was so happy. They're not uh, Similarly, my other colleagues who went to teach in Bangalore, I, I chose Anna University because Chennai I got a fascination, so it gave me an experience used to be in Chennai so uh, that, that was a welcome thing for me and uh, the guys in Bangalore went to other colleges there and they also uh, did uh, similar uh, scouting and then got more people. So our, our need of freshers we, we could meet without having to stand in line in front of a placement officer saying I will air seven people, eight people and we got the cream and we got the cream. So that, that worked out well. What really happened in this process was that uh, I got interested in teaching. And I, I thought I'd, i i did not know i could teach to be honest i did not know i could teach and say, it's, it's a welcome experience for me to uh, for me to teach and as, around that time around maybe 1999 about after about 5 6 years of building the team I, my team grew from 0 to probably about 350 engineers 400 engineers and the overall team being 450 or something like that including the admin and finance i, I was only doing the technology part of it not the admin not the finance but i had a lot of say in hr because Interviewing and career mapping and all those things uh, I got involved. So and it is also an opportunity for me to apply whatever I learned in Stanford and uh, it right here. We all the, at that time the Hyderabad Centre also got involved. I got involved in it to some extent. What happened at that time was that somebody had written a book on oracle forms, not me. Some somebody in India had written a book on oracle forms, and McGraw uh, Hill was, was, was going to publish the book. We were looking for uh, somebody qualified to review the book. Okay, so they found my name from some, some other source and said, sir, can you review this book for me? So they sent me the book, it's about 300 pages book. So anything that comes to my, comes to my review, with my, my guys will remember that I tear it apart and I rip it apart with a lot of critical comments. Of course, constructively critical comments, not uh, not just to tear it apart. So I gave a lot of comments, a lot of critical comments to the author. So that how we can improve and what needs improvement, where are the mistakes and blah, blah, blah. Because I worked with forms for quite a while. And uh, the Migrahil asked me, Sir, you're writing, writing such a good review. Uh, why don't you write a book yourself? And I said, oh, Who the hell has time for writing a book here? Yeah? It's like a monstrous job. And uh, I'm re- I'm re- I, didn't, I don't even know I can write a book. I don't know what can I write a book on. And I asked them, I said, Whatever you're comfortable with, right, sir, with your qualifications, your background, I'm sure the book will sell. And uh, I said, The only thing I've been doing in the last several years is uh, how to set up global teams and how to manage global teams uh, and how to manage projects with, uh, within uh, geographically distributed teams and uh, will this be of interest to you and I asked him and I, I was skeptical. I was skeptical whether, whether first of all whether I could write and second whether such, such a thing would be useful for them and I, they said uh, sir definitely yes sir but immediately they came up and uh, they came up with the proposal and so on but let me tell you book writing is a very tedious job. It's not a, it's not the same amount of my time I invest in something else I can I can probably earn more money, but there's a lot of satisfaction. So they liked the book. So they, they, I started writing the book. I completed the book in about nine months while working at Oracle, while traveling to the U.S. Uh, maybe six, seven times a year. Good because a lot of long flights and you know those days, we didn't have uh, you know, power outlets in the, in the plane. So I could work for about two hours till the battery lasted, and then uh, shut off my laptop. And then the next airport uh, recharge my, bad, my battery and work for another two hours. So most of the most of the book was written in traveling. you well, go traveling by train, plane, bullock cart, whatever it is, right? So the book did very well, and uh, uh, and it won the national award for the best book by uh, ISTD, which is the Indian Society of Technical Documentation. And um, the immediately the same year, they translated the book in Chinese, and that's when I said, okay, maybe I can do teaching, maybe I can do writing. If I can I could have continued in the current role, but. Um, transferring this knowledge to others would have a bigger impact on the society as a whole. And uh, do it was a tough call because you know I have not worked anywhere else for, for that long. And uh, it was a tough call for me to quit, but I made a tough call. Again, I said, I will go out of my comfort zone. And um, so I moved. And then after that, I, uh, I written eight books on the technical and soft skills areas, software testing, software project management, software uh, maintenance, soft skills, so, a lot of books and a couple of books have been translated to Chinese, and still some of the books are followed in about 40, 50 universities worldwide. So, it's a lot of satisfaction. So, that's how I moved into writing and teaching back into 2002, leaving my plush job at Oracle and wanting to do this. Wanted to do this because I wanted to do this. It's a passion that I enjoyed. Even now, I write books, but more on the religious side, which is where I have, my focus is now. So I, over the next maybe 15 years, I uh, taught in multiple colleges. IIT Madras, my alma mater. Then I we, we started teaching in IIT, IIM Bangalore. And then um, Anna University, of course. XLRI, bunch of places. Triple uh, ITB, of course. Triple ITB is one place where I taught a lot of times, a lot of courses. So it was, a, it was a wonderful experience teaching, reaching out to students, interacting with students, giving them some guidance on career. Telling them how they can crack the interviews, what do people look for interviews in interviews, all this kind of stuff. So it's a very enjoyable journey. So I, I that's what I've been doing over the last few years. And uh, of course, now I've moved more into social work. I worked with, with an NGO called uh, Sevalaya, which, which had uh, where it believes in moral education. So I wrote a book in Tamil for uh, moral education based on the Principles of Baradiyar, Mahatma Gandhi, and uh, Swami Vivekananda, and uh, that book was as being being used in lot of uh, Tamil Nadu schools. The, the donors then asked look "I understand Tamil. I like the Tamil, but uh, my kids who are grown up abroad, they don't, they can't read Tamil. Can I write it in English, so I rewrote it in English, and uh, the, the donors abroad use it for the kids. And I am also passionate about people with special needs, differently able people. There's a book called Gifted, written by. SAP's senior vice president, and, uh, and uh, about 15 differently able people who have come big in life. So, I translated the Tamil so, so that the reach people should know about what is the differently able and what the societal responsibilities are for the society to accept them. So, I do a bunch of things. I enjoy life. So, that is probably a long summary of my. Uh, I hope it's not too long.
0: <laughs> yeah, wonderful, Ramesh. So, multiple questions coming are triggered by this. No, first is uh, you always seem to be having, you know, parallel interests or multiple, interests, multiple yeah, interests. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now, yeah. The, the two things are: you know, one is you know, how do you balance the interest or pick the interest, and second is how do you find time to pursue multiple
1: interests? <laughs> now, first question is how do you how do you find the uh, how do you find the interest? It, it just pops up, I think. It just pops up, and lot of lot of times it pops up by necessity. Like my teaching popped up by necessity. It's not uh, as if I had a grand strategic vision that I should teach. I just started teaching to so that we can get access to the right people. So that's how it started. And similarly, writing books started again by accident. You know, I, I don't imagine that I was ever going to be a writer or a teacher in my life. I thought I was going to be the industry, going traveling around all the time and uh, busy and so on, right? But uh, it just things usually pop up. That's all I think. You no. Know, uh, I, I would not. I mean, if I claim that I did everything according to the strategic plan and all that, maybe true. It's not as if it happened by accident. But um, you will have to. Uh, you know, it pops up. Okay? That's one thing. Second, I I think if you follow your interest, if you follow your passion, things will happen. Okay, like right from my job. You now I, I could have stayed back in a ITI kind of job. You know, there, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong because these were the uh, the, the plum jobs at the for BE, ECE students those days. Somehow, I followed my passion. Even 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 the people condoled me for going to software at the time. Uh, I went there because you know, the,
0: no, nobody else
1: worked on software. And believe me, in BE at that time, not many people worked on software. Everybody was working on, if you are an ECE student, you will work on uh, communication, microwave networks, radars, and analog circuits, digital circuits, blah, blah, blah. And if you are in EE, they will work on power systems and so on and so forth. So going to software was a kind of a weirdo kind of act. So you follow your passion—that's the first thing. And the thing is that now, if you keep on doing this, this may be controversial, or it may not be a correct statement. If you keep, you can always keep on doing what you are doing, no problems. But after some time, you'll get bored. Okay? So you will have to have some variety in life. We'll have to have some variety in life. But we'll, uh, that's where the uh, the option of teaching and writing came. Now the question is how do you balance, how do you find the time for it? And that's left to you. And in one of the interviews on college kid asked me, you know, is your job a nine to five job? I say I, and my me and my colleague were interviewing, and without batting an eyelid, I told him, Yeah, my, my job is a 9 a.m. to 5 a.m. job. The fellow didn't understand what I was saying, and uh, my guy next to me and my colleague started you know, bursting into laughter. And the guy was looking, <laughs> he didn't know what was happening. But then, that's the fact of life. If you, if you have to uh, achieve something, you have to put the extra effort. Again, I, I did my master's in Stanford when I was working there. And I, I had a family with two kids. So my day will extend from... Um, uh, my class will start at 8 in the morning and we can't go late to the class. They'll, they'll ding us with grades if we go late. So I have to leave home at 7. Okay. And um, uh, after finishing the class, I come to uh, come back to my office and I work till night, but I will allocate maybe a couple of hours in the evening for my kids. Okay, so again, nine o'clock, my day will start. So nine to two, again, will be my day for studies. And of course, since we're working from home, even those days, we could work from home and then I can do my uh, compilation and uh, testing and so on, we initiate a job on my on my uh, home terminal and then start doing my assignments and so on. So. Yeah. Really, believe me, it was uh, long, long, long hours. But the point is, the long hours were never at the expense of the family, or never at the expense of uh, an imbalance of uh, work and uh, work-life work, life imbalance was not there. So you will you, you have to do it. You have to do it if you really want to achieve it. You will have to do it, and you need a support for the family also. Yes, I still where where I used to go. You know, the, my kids probably sometimes uh, they go to bed, and next time when they wake, wake up, they won't find me because I already gone to the class. Similarly here. Um, uh, I used to travel almost every campus uh, travel best, as much as possible and I prefer to travel to the south because uh, traveling too much to the north, uh, my food problems will come. As a vegetarian, sometimes you may not get the proper food and so on and all the campuses. So almost all the south universities, like uh, uh, in the, all the states in uh, Karnataka, Tamil uh, Nadu, Andhra and so on, I visited almost every college there, every every good college there, RECs and IITs and so on. The, those days, very few private colleges like SSM and SRM were there. So, um, other than most of the colleges I visited, so a lot of travel, a lot of travel, and uh, that automatically gives you time. That automatically gives you time to do other things. You know? So, it's a question of optimally utilizing time. You know, and definitely, yes, you'll have to put extra time. It's not as if you can just have a 10 9 to 5 job and then 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. job and get everything done. Not possible. You'll have to give the extra time.
0: And you also mentioned many instances when you are taking risks or jumping into something new, right? Something that you hadn't done before or something quite different. So this is one question that I get often, particularly from mid-career people say that now should I continue to be a manager then okay I have the title I have people I have control but actually I'm not very happy with yeah. technical and be an individual contributor but then will I be valued or what should I do so what would be your advice to that? follow the
1: passion again the same answers follow your the question there, there are some people who are remind individual contributors for their life I don't know in a, in a in a good technical company it's always possible it's always possible but uh, Again, if you want to be a manager, are you happy just being a manager and moving papers? That's, that's one thing. I and mean, You have to ask what your passion is and you know um, uh, there is no one answer for everybody. There are people who are happy with that kind of power in their hand. There are p- people who are happy with uh, uh, you know people waiting in the doors for meetings back to back. Yes, I went through the phase of my career as a, as a senior director at Oracle. There will be a lot of meetings and there will be a lot of issues to resolve blah 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 but uh, but is that what you want to do for all your life? That's the question you have to ask yourself. You know? I always had a passion to do something different. Call, call it risk taking. Yes, it is risk taking. If you fail, you fail. You know, for example, when I came to India from the US, I came only on a one-year assignment. Nobody gave us job spec to do you have to do this. Duty was that you can do what you what you think is right for the organization. So if I fail, supposing I had failed at the time, I could always have moved back to uh, to the US and continued my uh, 100% technical job. I mean, small team was there, 10-12 people, people, but there's nothing like you know growing a team and all those uh, business development. None of that was there. right? So, I could have continued. So, there, there was a fallback option. Every time there was a fallback option. Right? What would have happened if I had failed in my uh, academic endeavors? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll have to look for another job, though Having worked at a good company like Oracle, will I go and work somewhere else? I don't know. I might not have been happy. Fortunately, things panned out. It's not as if uh, again. Uh, let me say, it's not my, my wonderful wisdom that got everything through. There's a good amount of providence in that. There's a good amount of risk taking, in that and fortune favors the brave. So you will. You will have to take the risk, and no, it's not a bad risk. I knew. I knew. I mean, I, I did the shift to academia in uh, in uh, in about when I was about forty-five, right? So. At that time, no, thank God. Financially, I was uh, I, I was not uh, dependent on anything else. You I, know, I couldn't, um, it is not for finances doing it, right? If I was doing the finance, I would have continued in, in my job forever. Knowing that I quit Oracle, one headhunter called me and said, Sir, now that you're at Crossroads, I'll offer you a CEO job. I said, please stop. I am not at Crossroads. I know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> so. Yeah. You will have to. Have to, have to <laughs> literally, I'm, I'm telling you, I got this call and this, this is the thing he told. And I told him to space. I'm not a process, I know what I'm doing. Mean, may, maybe I pissed him off. Maybe I uh, put him off. Maybe afterwards he didn't call me at all. I, I don't care. Okay. So you will have to have some amount of uh, determination. Yes, you don't take the risk at 25. You know, I, I would not have taken the risk at 25. I'm still conservative enough that I took the risk only at 45. Right. So And and even at the time, I had enough ammunition, not just financially, but also uh, in terms of skills required. Now, if if I had not done my Stanford degree, I would not have ventured for this. They taught me. Working with people in California taught me what is professionalism. Working in Singapore taught me what is customer facing. Now, rubbing shoulders with some of the great founders of HCL uh, gave me gave me the confidence. You know that you have to be tough, but it doesn't. You don't have to be uh, no. Ruthless, right? You don't have to be mercenary. You don't have to be uh, what should I say? Uh, Go for the kill kind of thing, right? So there's a balance, you know. uh, uh, But you're right. It's it's not it's not easy. It's absolutely not easy. And uh, I I would not claim that I have a magic formula for that. the The key is that you follow your passion. Please follow your passion, and that's that's something I've done all my life, and uh, I have no regrets about it.
0: Yeah, you partly answered the next question that came to my mind, which is, uh, after being a techie, when you came to India to start this, and when you mentioned the alumni get-together after so many years of Oracle, what is Ramesh's magic in terms of leadership that set that kind of a culture or that establishes that kind of a relationship with so many people?
1: It's not only Ramesh, credit goes to the entire team. We had uh, we had a team which was uh, which had healthy interactions. We uh, uh, we had a team which uh, focused on uh, having diverse viewpoints. Okay, when we made the selections, we never selected somebody exactly like us because then you know one of us will be useless anyway, right? So the I, we had a really wonderful team, and then credit goes to the entire team and uh, you know the. My boss, my VP, used to mention that you know you, you have to we should we should argue as much as we want during the meetings. We should disagree as much as we want, but then we should be at the end of the day we should be able to go to go, go for a cup of coffee outside. Now I use a different phrase for that. I say you should disagree but not be disagreeable. Okay, that's the, that's my catchphrase. We disagree a lot. It's not just work. You know, we at home, same thing happens, right? We all disagree from this and that, but it's not a question of this being disagreeable. The subtle difference, very subtle difference. You have to be prepared to go for a cup of coffee with the guy with whom you had a vehement argument in the meeting room just an hour back, right? That won't happen unless there's a trust and faith. That won't happen. The, the whole idea was creating that atmosphere of faith, creating that atmosphere of trusting each each person and giving, that, giving everybody the freedom to do what they want. You know, the you don't roll up your sleeves and, uh, and jump into the making every time. Then you're not going to motivate the people, right? You are at the same time when you have to make a decision, you make a decision, right? Because, uh, you know, you know that you can override, but if, if override is not an exception but it's a rule, then you are going to demotivate people, right? So it's it's a question of uh, giving the rope, or, uh, um, and then also. Uh, question of giving them freedom. Somebody asked, I think a couple of days back on Facebook, somebody asked about, uh, what is it? And this is a question asked asked to me in IIT, in the the management program I taught there. Uh, Somebody asked me, sir, you have exactly the same question. you asked. You've been in a technical role and then you have kind of moved to senior management role. And uh, what is the main thing for that? I said, there's only one thing. As a technical guy, you have all the answers. As a senior management guy, you have all the questions. Okay. You should know what question to ask nice. and when the guy more information on the other side of the table tells you the answer, you must have the value judgment to say, yeah, your answer is right or your answer is wrong. So you, you the art of asking questions is what uh, makes a good management guy, not having all the answers, especially I'm talking of 95 where we did not have internet. Today, whatever I want to find out, I can go to Google and find out. So I don't need to have the answers. I don't need to have that. So all all I need to know is what questions to ask you. Now, yeah, I just give an example. You go to a, you interview a candidate, right? Generally, they talk about the B tech project or M tech project, right? So they know but they know best about their M tech project. No doubt about it. I don't know the M tech project like what they do, right? but I have to ask questions to see to un, to make sure they understood their M-tech project, right? at the M tech project. At some point of time, you know, we can we can get them really confuse the hell out of them. to See what did they do with the tech project? <laughs> maybe that's the success of a good interview or
0: anything
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean what I said
0: (laughs) yeah sure okay Uh, before we close there's one question that I normally ask all my guests which is uh, what is your advice for people considering a career in IT today or say in the near future
1: (laughs) today tell me who is not considering a career in IT Everybody wants a carrier in IT. Everybody wants a carrier in IT. So, <laughs> so, when I say, uh, when you say carrier, I presume a real carrier, not just uh, no, a few lakhs in the, to start so sort of your dowry value increases. No, that's not that's not what I mean by carrier, but a lot of times people perceive that few lakhs, they the beginning to increase the dowry value, either for the boy or the girl, doesn't matter. So, that is the carrier. So, I'm not addressing that segment of population, which uh, has a very uh, myopic view of carrier. Okay? So, I'm uh, talking of people who really who really know what's a career is? Okay, I, I think first thing is uh, don't jump into IT unless you want to do it. Now, I I know of a I know of a case where one particular child was very wanted and call them children Don't worry about it. Uh, in the school and, and time of leaving school, she was very passionate about biological sciences. For somehow because of peer pressure, she joined computer science. I, I think that's a bad thing. I think the bad thing. You know, you took you take computer science or Again, I still refer to computer science. I don't like. I don't use the term IT because we all grew up as computer science people and software engineering people. When there was a little bit of science and engineering in what we did today, there's nothing. There's only copy paste mostly. You know, sorry for my uh, my rather rude statement. The point is, be passionate about what you do. Unless you are passionate, unless you are able to express your passion, don't be don't be afraid to express your passion. Right? I'll give you one example where. Uh, one of the first projects we did here was the software. I am always passionate about software testing. So that's a good part of my career. I spent on software testing. So back in '94, software testing was almost like a pariah in uh, uh, most places. Yeah, either you should put in quote-unquote development, which is the people of coding. Nothing more than that. Okay, If you do software testing, your know, low-ranked people will do software testing with the kind of mindset that was there. But we, we put our foot down. If anybody calls software testing there, I will shout at them. Not shout at them, not uh, in the uh, literal sense of yelling at them, but you know, bring some sanity. And there were, believe me, there are no conferences in software testing at the time. We were among the first to organize software testing conferences. Okay. Because Similarly, uh, similarly, when I wrote the book, I chose software testing book because that's the best seller still. Like, people still use it. And so the, the point is, be passionate and express the passion. You know? the, don't say I am passionate about software testing. I don't care what you think about it. I will do. If you don't want to come, if you want to do programming, go. And if somebody comes and tells me, sir, I will do testing for two, two years, will you promote me to development? And anytime somebody says, you promote me from testing to development, I, I, I put them in place. It's not a bloody promotion. How can you say it's promoted, Right. So, so express your passion. Have passion and express it. Second, it's very easy, especially today's context, when a fresher gets you know, 2 lakhs or 3 lakhs or 4 lakhs or whatever ridiculous amount he gets when he passes out into an IT job, it's very easy to be, what should I say, Come complacent about it. Very easy to be satisfied with it. Very easy to uh, say, okay, what's the next mobile phone I can buy kind of thing. You know, the, all that is fine. All that is fine. But unless you upgrade your skills, okay, you're going to become useless very shortly. So the next generation of kids will come up, they will probably know about uh, more new things than you do. And unless you keep your skills upgraded, you can never succeed, especially in especially in our field. Maybe in a more static field, you can, but in our field, continuous skill upgrade is very essential. Again, that's why I did my degree at Stanford. And I, even after being a senior director here, I did my CQA certification. Not because I learned anything new in CQA certification or anything like that. It's just a question of revalidating yourself and then you know, even writing a book is like uh, writing an exam even even worse it's so tough to when you write a book you know how much you don't know right so you have to do this kind of skill upgrades you have to do the skill upgrade and while doing that you can also develop us. and this is one thing that happens with uh, people who uh, are parochial of management you know if i tell all my things to my next level he will grow up i'll become useless for my job you should become useless for your job if you don't become useless for your job you'll become indispensable and if you become indispensable, you will be stuck in the same place for rest of your life. So you have to grow. You have to let others grow, and only when others grow, you can uh, know nature. Nature abhors vacuum. So when others, when you move up, somebody else comes to your place, and then somebody else comes to their place, and so on and so on. So grow, develop others, develop your skills, and develop others. You know. don't have this. Uh, what should I say? Don't have this feeling of uh, job insecurity. There is enough jobs. for Everybody in this, life, this whole world. Okay. Don't have this job. That's, that's that's again a very radical thought. It's mean, is something that I, I definitely believe in. Always try to go out of the comfort zone. Yes, you talked about risk taking, right? Exactly. No. If you stay in your comfort zone, you'll keep doing what you can do. No. Just I just just imagine if you if all the time you have to do you know, all you have to do is do what is two plus three, what is twelve plus twenty five, what is forty five minus twenty two. <laughs> of course, you can do it, but. It's so boring, like be so boring, right? So you have to stretch your legs I mean, our math teachers did a great thing by teaching us, uh, making us solve those difficult problems. Right? Mm-hmm. This is what keeps you interested in mathematics. You just want to do a derivative of sine 2s, derivative of sine years, and derivative of sine years, you ain't going to learn anything new. So go out of your comfort zone. It's okay, you make mistakes. You will make mistakes, but yeah, if you don't make mistakes, you are not going to, uh, not going to learn anything, right? And second carrier is always, a, you have mentioned about that. I, I think the second carrier is not a insurance. It's a good diversion. So this, this is something that's important. Have a second carrier. Okay? So but these kind of things, it's not always exhaustive solution, but it's but it works. Again, it's, at the end of the day, it's all customized to a particular person. Okay? What works for me may not work for somebody else. What works for somebody else may not work for me. So try by the year, but these general groups always work generally
0: they work yeah on that note uh, Ramesh thank you once again for uh, not only sharing your interesting career trajectory but also these tips for both beginners as well as the people who have been going through some possibly midlife crisis uh, <laughs> I hope to catch you on a few other topics of your current interests and other things in a later conversation
1: sure definitely yeah. thanks a lot for talking to me too, and look forward to meeting you uh, in person sometime
0: We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you would like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm powerconsulting.com.